Hello River Church, it is a beautiful day out here and I'm so glad to be talking to you guys. Um, my name is Michelle, I am 10 years old going on 11 and this is my dad 38 years old going on 39. Thanks for all that information Michelle. I'm glad we all know my age. I'm also excited to be with you. It's a beautiful day, it's May Gray and we are here in the Turnbow's backyard once again bringing this service and I'm excited because in that very backyard we found Looks like a dog toy, but it also looks like the coronavirus. I think we discovered it. Michelle. It's the actual coronavirus. We hate you, coronavirus. Look at that. Like, what other church is doing that right now, okay? In all seriousness, we're excited you're with us. We are grateful for summertime, and we have something exciting opening up this June, a chance to begin to gather again. Michelle, what are we calling it? River Home Church! River Home Church, that's right. And so if you're interested in hosting one of these, you can contact us at info at riversouthbay.org and let us know that you're interested. We have some hosts already and it's gonna be a great time. You know, we began in a backyard as a church and we went back to backyards several times and now we are home again. So River Home Church, looking forward to that. Also, as a church, we our heartbeat is to be an equipping church. And if we were a hospital, we would want to be a teaching hospital. And one way that we do that is through our internship program every summer. And this summer, we're, we're having another slew of interns. Do you remember the interns last time? Oh my gosh, they were amazing. So she's enthusiastic about it. I'm pretty sure this group is going to be incredible as well. And we'd like to introduce them to you. So... Josh, roll the tape. Hi River family, my name is Lindsay Britt and I'm so excited to be a summer intern with you guys. Hey everyone, I am Reese Hirschberger. What's up everyone? My name is Dustin Westcott. Hi River Church, my name is Jane Prock and I will be serving as a college intern this summer. I just finished up my freshman year at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas, studying both education and math. Hey River Church, my name is Jacob Hangartner and I'm going to be serving in our Rush Ministries this summer. I'm a junior at Whitworth University studying health sciences and playing football. Also, if you don't know me, I'm currently a junior about to be senior in college at California Baptist University. My major is healthcare administration with a minor in business, and I'm pursuing a master's degree in occupational, ther in occupational therapy, hopefully pretty soon. I'm currently attending University of Georgia, where I will be an upcoming sophomore in the fall studying business administration and sport management. I am a freshman, soon to be sophomore, studying business at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I will be serving in the children's ministry this summer uh, for the River Church, and I'm super excited. This summer, I get the pleasure and honor to be working with the junior high ministry. And I will currently be serving in the junior high middle school ministry this summer. Definitely have a passion for ministry. So this summer I'll be working alongside Kathy Plummer and just making this summer the most fun possible with all the circumstances we're in. So I'm just super excited to get involved with the Tide Ministry again. Um, I know those middle school years were very important years in my faith and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've been a part of the River Church since my sophomore year of high school. Rush has been a huge part of my faith journey. I'm so excited to get to know all of you and to get to hopefully hug you really soon. I know I've been missing that a lot. I'm also looking forward to meeting everyone, so once those circumstances allow us to, uh, 
If you have a child in middle school, please feel free to contact me or reach out to me. I would love to meet you and I'm looking forward to getting to know you guys and leading your kids. Thank you. And I'm super excited to work alongside Matt and Lindsay this summer and our high school students and uh, see where God takes us. I'm stoked to get started and um, looking forward to meeting everybody. So I love you River Church. So excited to get to work with you all and meet you all. Bye. Good morning, River Church. It is so good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm just going to pray. We're going to get right on into worship. Jesus, we love you. God, we're here for you. We just want to worship you and adore you, Lord. God, we're about to sing that you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. And we just praise you and we thank you, God, for being the way, Lord, for guiding us. Lord, for, for being truth all the time. Lord, that we could see you and know that it is true north, that we know what you say, God, is real and is solid. And we could find our faith in that. And uh, God, that you are our life, Lord. You bring life to um, our bones, Lord. You, you, you breathe life into us every day, God. So we just thank you so much. And we're here. We want to worship you this morning. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name, and we pray this all in your name. Amen. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. Oh, you are my portion. You are my hiding place. Oh, I believe you are the way, the truth, the light. Oh, I believe you are the way, the truth, the light. Lord, I believe that you are provider, that you are protector, you are the one I love, oh, I believe you are the way, the truth, the light, oh, I believe you are the the truth, the light, oh, I believe you are. And it's a new horizon, and I'm set on you, and you meet me here today with mercies that are new, oh, all my fears and doubts. They can all come to because they can't stay long when I am here with you. And it's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. And 
set a new hope All my fears and doubts They can all come true Because they can't stay long When I believe you are The way The truth The lie I believe you are The way The truth The lie Oh, I believe you are In seven Oh, I believe you are God. You are the way, the truth, the life. Yes, I believe you are. Yes, I believe you are. never fails me in all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God it's all my you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest night you are close like no other i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend and i have lived in the goodness of god yeah. All my life you have been faithful Yes, all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Sing your goodness Yes, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Yes, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Yes, your goodness is running after, 
struggling with saying that God is faithful, that if you are struggling with saying that God, I will sing of your goodness, that is okay. That's okay. Life has its ups and its downs, its joys and its sorrow. It's, and there's despair. God never said that we would be immune from sadness or worry or anxiety, but he did give us himself as a father, as a friend. In our darkest night, he leads us through the fire. So today, if you're struggling singing this song, let us as a community sing it for you. And although you can't physically hear our voices singing around you, know that we are singing this truth for you, that God is good and he is for you and he is with you and that he is faithful. So let's sing that one more time for you. I'm gonna sing this one more time for you. Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Hey, everyone. Good morning. I've got uh, a special guest with me uh, this morning, Cannon Kuntz. So, Cannon, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. And check out his shirt. Is that the coolest shirt ever? I mean, I love it. The glasses, the watch, the, the shirt. I am totally envious right now. It's, it's, you're go, it's going on. All you need to do is shave your head and we'd be twins. We would be, you're my doppelganger. <laughs> is that right? Is that the right word? Yeah. Hey, Cannon, uh, tell me about your, yourself. Grew up in, in a, a great family in Orange County. Was raised in you know, faith mm -hmm. and something I'm very grateful for. 
So. Okay, bring us up to date. So married, kids? I mean, I know the answer, but I'm, yeah. just, <laughs> I'm just kind of prompting you. Married, uh, just celebrated our 25th anniversary yeah. Yeah, Leslie. a week or so ago. Yeah, okay. my wife, Leslie. Yeah. Uh, two boys, Hunter and Aiden, yeah. um, 21 and 17. So. Mm -hmm. so tell us what happened. Something happened in your life of a surfing accident that kind of uh, jolted you a bit. I mean, this yeah, is a big, a big event. Yeah. What happened? Um, I, I, briefly, the day it was, it was one of these just things fell into place for me. Mm -hmm. um, was planned to be in San Francisco for work, and it was storming. Flight mm -hmm. got canceled, mm. and it was storming and raining. But the surf conditions were perfect. I had a spot all to myself, yeah. which is unheard of when yeah. the conditions are that good. And it was the most amazing thing because you know. Growing up near the coast and surfing, um, you know, you see a lot of rainbows. Mm -hmm. But there was the most amazing rainbow I'd ever seen in my life because I, mm. you saw both feet of it on the water, mm. the entire rainbow. But the backdrop was this dark and black sky, so the thing was lit up like neon. So this was the last thing you remember before what? Yeah, and uh, well, I literally blinked my eyes and I woke up in the hospital. What happened? The tide was really low, it was negative tide, so there were inches of water, and, and I must have, you know, caught a rail, got flipped over, I had a big old raspberry on the back of my head, so I basically hit my head and got knocked out. All kinds of, you know, they didn't know who I was at first, and all kinds of things. When they got me out of the water, um, I was non-responsive. Uh, they pumped four liters of fluid out of my lungs and out of my stomach, um, and when the, the, the firefighters, you know, sent me to the hospital, talking to them later, you know, they all thought that that was the last they'd seen of me. Waking up in the hospital, uh, what I had found out is that I was non-responsive. Initially, the, the estimations were that I'd been underwater for about 12 minutes, um, and just everything didn't look good. So, uh, and it was a pretty amazing series of events because People, some people thought it was me, some people weren't sure, and, and friends were calling friends. Um, we talked a little bit about just the whole Facebook kind of aspect of it, where, you know, not being a big fan of social media, I yeah. saw the power of it because yeah. literally within minutes, I was across the country and probably thousands yeah. of prayer groups. Yeah, yeah. Somebody you got were. a hold of you, you came to the, the hospital. I did, and I remember that. You don't, because you were out. Yeah. And I think you were either in an induced coma or you were um, you were, you were were on a breathing tube. And I walked in next to Leslie, and I've been in a lot of hospital rooms, Canon. I've been in a lot of those situations, and, you know, pastors are called upon to pray. and. And I came praying, but there was something different. And I have to tell you, I've never told you this. Something different happened in that moment when I walked in that room. I met your kids in the waiting room, and then I walked in, and there was Leslie. And I said, let's grab a hand, and I started praying. And um, you started moving. You started twitching. I mean, you actually showed signs of movement. And in that moment, it's really weird and I didn't want to say anything and I was like I'm not gonna say this to Leslie but I had this overwhelming sense you were gonna be okay I mean, I knew it from the Lord I mean I felt this as we were praying that God was saying to me this man's gonna live this man is gonna make it and 
you know, it's kind of scary to even think that. And, you know, do I share that? Do I, what do I do with that information? And sure enough, you came out of this coma that you were in and, um, and here you are today. I mean, this is an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, um, yeah, I, I learned the power of prayer and, and, and God's power and his will. Yeah. And I mean, I, I always joke a little bit, but it's really true. For me, the experience was nothing but good. Yeah. You know, I went from having this great day to seeing this amazing, you know, yeah. you know, rainbow and waking up in the hospital. And I knew when I woke up that there was just like, okay, something's wrong. Yeah. But I was surrounded by my friends and my wow. family and people that cared about me and people I didn't even know that were there who were caring for me. Yeah. And, and I mean, it just, it was an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I had, you know, there was no doubt that it was some, you know, you know, the doctors did anything. Hey, there was, it was the hand of God and nothing else. And I, you know, I'm blessed to be here. Yeah, yeah. So to now bring us up to date. What's going on now? Like, so what do you think God is up to? I mean, that's a big question, I know. And I, and I, know, I know what you told me earlier, and I think it's an honest answer. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I know there's, you know, there's, there's got to be a reason. And yeah. I, 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 I literally pray to just that my mind is open so yeah. that I hear it once there is a message and yeah. maybe it's just, you know, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah. But I, I know, you know, I'm here by God's grace and yeah. I'm so thankful that I'm here to mm -hmm. still watch my kids grow up yeah. and be with my family and mm -hmm. to be a part of a bigger community. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost a new start, a new beginning. Like the story didn't end. The story yeah. did not end there for you. For some reason, the story didn't end. It's it's just beginning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think of that? I I don't know. You know, I've, I've I, I like I said, I was I was raised in yeah. faith, yeah. so it's not surprising. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of again. Yeah. Waiting to see where it goes and yeah. what God has in store for me, what I'm supposed yeah. to do. Yeah, and I love I love your, your walks. You were t telling me earlier just about some of your walks and, and uh, connecting with God in your own way and yeah. um, learning and listening. Yeah, in the morning when nobody's out, you know, I wake up early and that's yeah. that's my time to just mm -hmm. give some gratitude back yeah. and, and to you know, like I say, commune with God. And yeah, it's not like I necessarily hear the response, but mm -hmm. I definitely feel His presence. Yeah. No question, no question. You know, Cannon, uh, this is a remarkable story. Uh, this is a story that I think people need to hear. Uh, it, it just has so many components to it, but um, the biggest one, as you said, is that doctors didn't do anything, you didn't do anything, God did it. God did the work, and here you are. Here you are today, we're alive. You're sitting here in front of this camera, and God's given <laughs> you, your story isn't ending, it's just beginning, and that is the, that's the profound thing of this whole story is, is your life continues on. So absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank All you. Right. Hey, what's up? Glad you're back with us. We're finishing up the resurrection life. It's a series we've been in and James and Matt and myself, we've all participated in this series, even Denise, and it's been a great series helping us understand what it looks like to live the resurrected life. And this morning, we're gonna finish this series by looking at a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 24. 
the final end. This is the end of Jesus's life's ministry on earth. And yet it's not the end. It's the beginning. And that's the point. Resurrection life, it doesn't end. It's just beginning. It's a story that never ends. It continues on. It reminds me, before I get into the passage, it reminds me of uh, all three of our kids. You know, we send them off to college. And each time we send them off to college, we drive them out and we drive home and, and we look at each other and go, wow, that one's over. That's over. But it wasn't. It was just beginning. And then our third, so we dropped off Brooke and then we dropped off Brittany and then we dropped off Theo. We drove away and said, it's really over, isn't it? I mean, all three of them. And yet it wasn't. It was just the beginning. The story never ends. You know, there's careers, um, there's spouses, there's houses, and there are kids. And that's the next part of the story about raising kids. And I love that. It's like a good, it's like a good book that you read. I, some just classic, fantastic novels that I've read. Shantaram, you just don't want it to end. East of Eden. No way. We just want to continue on reading uh, one of my favorite books, The Lonesome Dove. I have a first edition of The Lonesome Dove. McMurtry, just don't stop writing. Just keep writing. I just, I want to, I want to fall into the story and stay in the story. And that's the resurrection life. We don't have to have it end. You and I get to continue living it. And as Jesus ends his ministry in Luke chapter 24, we discover that he now is going to ascend to the Father. He's done. He's resurrected. And he's on his way to the Father, and yet it's not over. The story's not over. It's just beginning. And we learn three things. And so this morning, I want to look at this passage. So in Luke chapter 24, it begins with this, this encounter. And there are two disciples. They're not part of the 11. Uh, Judas is gone. And now there are 11 disciples, yet it's Cleopas. And we don't know much about Cleopas and his friend. We don't know who he is, but we know they're disciples. And they're walking to Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they have a, this long conversation about what just happened in Jerusalem, about Jesus and his crucifixion and his death and, and then his resurrection. And they're trying to figure it all out. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears in their midst. And starts, they don't know it's Jesus, and they're having this conversation, and he asks, what are you guys talking about? He says, you don't know what just happened in Jerusalem? And so the conversation continues, and they have no idea, and Jesus begins explaining some scriptures to them, what just happened, and how that ties into the Old Testament. They still don't know it's Jesus. They arrive at Emmaus, and then it, they approach the village, and... Uh, they urge him to stay with them. It's night. Let's have a meal together. And so during the meal, Jesus, who they don't know it's Jesus yet, takes the bread. It says he blesses it, breaks it, and begins giving it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he vanishes. And then they turn to one another and says, were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road? Like we finally realized it was Jesus in the meal. The resurrected Lord had appeared to us. And now they have this meal and he's gone and they go back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what just happened. And Jesus, during the meal, appears again. Has this conversation about what is to come and then he ascends. And the very last section of this passage is, while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, the ascension. 
And what I find in this passage is three things. There's a appearance of Jesus, there's a meal with Jesus, and then there's the ascension of Jesus. And in all three of them, we gain something that we need in order to live the resurrected life. You, you need all three of these. During the appearance of Jesus, they gained faith, and you and I need faith. You cannot live the resurrection life without powerful faith. The second thing is, is during the meal, when they, when they were all together and Jesus blessed the, 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 the food and they began eating, what we learned there is they gained fellowship, the presence of Jesus in the meal. It's going to totally change your perspective on meals. And then third, during the ascension, this is the time in which Jesus says before he goes, you are my witnesses of these things. And then he ascends. So during the ascension, we get mission. Three things that you need in order to live the resurrected life. And I want to look at them just briefly with you. The first one, powerful, is the appearance, brings faith. The meal brings fellowship. The ascension brings mission. You need faith in your life, you need fellowship with Jesus, and you need a mission. So in the first one, we find that there's this, that, that there, Jesus appears, and he did this over and over and over again. We know that for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus remained on earth, and he just kept reappearing. In the 1 Corinthians 15 passage, Paul reminds us one of, this, one of the earliest texts of the scriptures. This predates, 1 Corinthians 15 predates the Gospels. In other words, this was oral history, not oral tradition, which is like passed down like your grandma's bread. Like, you know, my, my great-grandma baked bread this way, my grandma baked bread this way, and, and it's been passed down. That's not this story. This is oral history. These are eyewitnesses that saw Jesus. He kept appearing. He kept coming back. He just would come and vanish, come and vanish. And Paul says that he appeared to 500. He, he appeared to Cephas. He appeared to himself. He appeared to James. He appeared to the, the apostles. He just kept coming back. Why did Jesus keep appearing? Why did he keep having these appearances? I'll tell you why. Because in order to have powerful faith, you need to have an encounter with the risen Lord. And that's true. We find that over and over again. And sure enough, that happens in this text. Notice what happens, because when they were walking along, see Cleopas and his friend are having this discussion with, they don't know who it is, a stranger, and it's Jesus. And as Jesus is talking and they're talking, they relay this message that, this is what happened. Jesus was handed over to the chief priests. He was crucified. He was, he was put to death. And then it says, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Do you see that? They were hoping. They were holding out hope that maybe Jesus would have changed things. And, and you begin to sense that their faith was waning there. It wasn't like, it wasn't powerful, strong faith. It was like, we really hoped that maybe Jesus was the guy that he was the risen Lord. And it didn't appear to them as powerful faith until the meal when their eyes were open and they saw Jesus and they recognized Jesus. Their eyes were open, they recognized him and all of a sudden it says this, the Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon and to us. Do you see that? 
they went from this, I hope it's, it's true, to the Lord has risen. That's confidence. That's faith. That's what you and I need. We need that kind of faith every day. It's the only way to live the resurrection. Look at your own life. Are you living out resurrection life with faith? It only happens through an appearance. See, we gain that from these accounts. See, the gospel accounts give us the appearances so that our faith can actually be strengthened by their faith. Do you see that? In 1 John chapter 1, John says, we saw him, we touched him, we heard from him, and we pass that on to you, 1 John chapter 1, so that you may be in union with us. In other words, your faith will grow if you read about these appearances and recognize the fact that Jesus really did rise from the dead. You may be saying to yourself, don't buy it. Don't believe in God. I, I don't believe there's really a resurrected Jesus. It didn't really happen. And yet one of the clearest ways to believe that is to see the fact that Jesus appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people during the first century, during those first that the first 30, 40 years of that century, when Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to all these different people in order to prove that he truly was in their midst. Now, how do we take that personally? Where, where do we go with that? Well, last Easter, I invited Kim and uh, Matt Nelson to share their story. Matt Nelson you got to go back and watch it. I'm just going to give you just a brief highlight of it because it illustrates my point. You got to go back and see it. It's during the Easter message. Matt is a businessman, runs his, a, a, a business, an apparel business. During this pandemic, companies were closing down all over the place. There was no clientele, um, uh, all their supply chain, everything was changing. Everything changed. And uh, uh, customers decided to cancel all their orders. It was, a, it was a major, major problem for their company. All their manufacturing in Mexico, they'd have, they're gonna have to shut down all their factories. All, thousands and thousands of people would lose their jobs. He was very upset about this. And as he describes, 10 minutes before they had to close their company down and then hopefully reopen it months later if they could figure out how to salvage it. The country of Mexico did something they've never done before. Because if they had told all those uh, uh, workers in Mexico that you no longer have a job, they have to pay them three months' salary. You can hire a person, you can fire a person. If you fire them, you have to pay them three months' salary. You can't furlough. Mexico decided to furlough all their workers during the pandemic. Total mirror. They've never done it before. He got a call, and that changed his life. He saw God at work. It was, it was like an appearance of the resurrected Christ in the midst of his life, in the midst of his company. He says, as he describes, and I love it, I've, I've met with him a couple different times and heard the story over and over again of how he recognized God was in his presence. It was a moment where he recognized there's no question. There's a God. No question. I mean, it's like, it's like Canon Kuntz's story. Cannon, you just heard that story, an amazing story of a surfing accident, and he wakes up in the hospital and has no idea that he was almost pronounced dead, but he's alive. The story is just beginning, 
and there was God, and he recognized it as a miracle. And you don't have to, you don't have to go search for these things, by the way. It's not like, well, I need one of those, and I'm going to go find that. It, you don't go find it. It comes to you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just be aware of it. Be aware of an appearance of the resurrected Jesus in your life. It's going to happen. It will. And in that moment, your faith will transform. You will have a powerful faith and you'll never look back. There's a second thing that I see in this passage. It's not just the appearance, but it's also the meal. They, they sit down and have a meal. This is the eighth time Jesus had a meal with his disciples during these 40 days. He will have several meals. He continued to have meals. And, and we read through the Gospels that Jesus spent a lot of time at the table. There's something about that. The table is very, very important in the Gospels. He would have me, and it wasn't about the food. I mean, every time it was fish and bread and water or wine at, at, at the, the wedding of Cana. I mean, it was a pretty basic meal. I mean, there were probably other things, but we don't, we don't see them in the Gospels. But, but the point is it wasn't about the food, and it wasn't about the food here. It was about something else. Jesus met with people over a meal to go deeper. Fellowship. It was all about fellowship. Where do I get that from? Well, in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me and opens the door, I will come in and sup or dine, sup with him. D Jesus says, If you open the door of your life to me, I'll come in and we're going to have a meal together. You go, what, What's that about? Why a meal? Why is Jesus talking about a meal in Revelation? It's because in the ancient way of understanding meals, it was not about the meal, it was about intimacy and building friendship. Meals were always about something else. And that's Jesus's point. To live the resurrected life, we have to transform our concept of a meal and understand what a meal is all about. It's three things. I wrote three things down about this meal. First of all, the meal is, uh, first of all, a way of Jesus pursuing you. We find that in scripture, that in the meal, when you sit down to a meal, Jesus wants to be connected with you. Um, in Psalm 23, it says that, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures and all that. And it says, he sets a table in the wilderness, in the midst of my enemies, for us to sit and have fellowship. It's the presence of God, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of your enemies, the hardest place of your life, Jesus is saying, come, have a meal with me. He pursues us. He wants you to understand that the meal represents fellowship with him. Come, sit, listen, be with him. Next time you have a meal, just be aware of Jesus' presence. The second thing I see is the meal is a reenactment of the actual Eucharist. When he took the bread and blessed it, this is what he did on the Last Supper. This is when he gathered his disciples and had the Lord's Supper. And, they, and, he, and he said, this is my body. This bread represents my body that will be broken for you. This wine represents my blood that will be, shed, will be poured out for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And every time you have a meal, recognize in the meal you are reenacting the Eucharist. That you are actually reenacting the remembrance of Jesus' presence in your life. 
And it's not the past. See, we often look at the Lord's Supper, and this is this is kind of change, this has helped me understand the significance of a meal. We don't simply just uh, have a meal and uh, sit down and remember in whether it's the Lord's Supper or whether it's just a meal, but even in a meal, if we're thinking about the Lord's Supper and we're taking the bread and taking the wine in, in a symbolic way and we take that, um, we're thinking of the past. We're thinking of Jesus's death. But what Douglas Furrow does in a, a, a remarkable book called The Ascens Ascension and the Ecclesia, he's talking about the, the role of the ascension in the ministry of Jesus. That when Jesus ascended, he was absent, he was gone. But in the Eucharist, he's present. The Eucharist, the, the Lord's Supper, the meal brings the absence of Jesus who has gone to be with God in glory back into the world to bring him present again. And so, especially meals, dinner meals, when you sit down, remember the presence of Christ and what he has done for you and his presence. And you can even do that. We were in an event just, just a little while ago and we actually had a meal with the Eucharist in it. And it's very easy to do. We, 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 we listen to the Genesis creation account and we lit these candles for all six days. And on the seventh day, Jesus rests, the seventh candle was lit. And then we sat and we just contemplated and we had 18 minutes of silence just to think of the creation of God, God's presence. What God did is to create the whole world. And then we gathered to have a meal and we took the bread before the meal and we gave thanks and we ate it. This is my body given to you, broken for you. And then we sat down and we all got our food, wine, whatever else we wanted to drink. And we sat down and we opened up to the gospels and just read one short passage and had a discussion for about an hour about that passage. And we just fellowshiped about Jesus. It was always about Jesus. Had this great conversation. And then we got up and uh, some wine was poured. And at the end of the meal, we celebrated the Eucharist again, now with the wine. It was a beautiful evening. It was a beautiful evening of combining food and fellowship with the remembrance of Jesus. See, that's what Jesus wants to do. I think it's going to change the way we um, serve meals with others, remembering Christ in it. I wrote a third thing about a meal, is that the meal is the shape of the church to come. See, in Acts chapter 2, we, we see that the, that the, the church, 3,000 people came to Christ in Pentecost. 3,000 people, and they began meeting house to house before a building was ever built. The church met in homes. They used any kind of a facility they could to meet in small gatherings. And that's the, the shape of the church for hundreds of years. And so the meal, as Jesus is describing here, when they sat down and every time Jesus met with the disciples, they were having church. People ask me, when are we going to get back to our, our congregational uh, service? When are we going to start meeting again? Um, L.A. County's just opened up the churches. Um, let's get going. What's going to happen? And, and our staff, we're all in agreement. We are not in a hurry, not because we don't want to meet, but because we actually see that the church is transitioning. It's changing from a large gathering 
to smaller gatherings. This is what Jesus is demonstrating, the presence of Christ in small gatherings. And we're going to get there, no question. There's guidelines that have been given to us. Um, they're very strict guidelines. And so we can't just like all pile in back into Norris or come down to the beach. LA County hasn't offered a permit yet, and that may take several months. We don't know. It's all up to uh, LA County. Uh, but uh, the Norris is ready to go, but but it's, it's going to be smaller, maybe 100 people. And uh, we may be like a, like a family service where we, we have to keep our social distance and, and we can meet as a family and we restructure that church. But before we get there, phase one is going to be online services and backyard services. Our survey revealed 18 families that wanted to uh, invite people into their backyard for a service. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus's fellowship with us happens in these small groups. And so phase one for us is gonna be online and backyard services. So we're gonna, you're gonna hear more about that and joining together and then phase two will hopefully be a modified Norris and potentially a beach service. Phase three is back to normal, which is in the distant future. But it's okay, church isn't going anywhere. We're not falling apart. Everything's working great. You know why? Because you're the church when you gather and Jesus is in your presence. He's right there. Don't ever forget that. So gather, meet together, offer the Lord's supper in your meal, invite the presence of Lord, sit down to even a meal and invite Jesus with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to sup with you. He wants to become friends. The third thing I see is the ascension. In the ascension, there's mission. Because before Jesus ascends to the right hand of glory, he says, he tells them all that's going to happen. And then he says, you are my witnesses. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Do you see that? Before Jesus ascends, he gives us a mission. Acts 1.8, same thing. Right before he ascends, retells the ascension story. He says, you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in the world. See, mission comes out of the ascension. The purpose of your life comes out of Jesus' ascent. Why did Jesus have to ascend? Why did he have to leave us in order to leave us with a mission? John chapter 17 is as Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, I go to be with you, but I, my disciples remain here. I send them into the world. Sanctify them in the truth, God, because I send them into the world. You and I are sent into the world with a mission to bring the kingdom of God through the presence of Christ who has now ascended. Jesus ascended in glory gives us the mission. And the mission is to make an impact in the kingdom of God. Someone asked Martin Luther, if Jesus were to come back tomorrow, what would you do? And you know what he said? I plant a tree. Why a tree? Because the way Martin Luther saw it, is that every act that we do in building the kingdom of being a steward of this world is an act that will remain forever in the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus recreates them. See, we think, well, this end, this life ends and a new life begins and it's a totally radically different new life and, and everything that happened here is gone and it's not. Everything that happens in this life in the resurrection is part 
of the new creation. And you and I get to participate and think about the ways in which you can participate in the mission of God. That's what, that's what is, we're being offered in this passage. It reminds me of uh, the great basilica, Sagrada Familia Basilica in Barcelona, Spain, which is crazy to even think of this because this day, today, Denise and I were supposed to be in Barcelona at that basilica. We were supposed to be there right now this day, but of course that, that trip was canceled. And I wanted to see this. It's the oldest uh, cathedral. It was built, it started in 1882. Antonio Gaudi was the architect and he designed this great cathedral and it's been 140 years and they're still building it. It's still under construction. It's going to have one of the tallest spires in all cathedrals. What's interesting about this is that the, the, the story never ends. It's, it's continuing to be built and each stonemason in each worker participates in this basilica and then they're gone. But they're work remains. And there will be thousands and thousands and thousands of workers throughout history that will be remembered in this building of this basilica. And that's the kingdom of God. Your work matters. Your work remains. Every act of kindness, every act of love, your willingness to stand up for justice. It's all what God wants to do. So in this passage in resurrection life, you need three things. You need strong faith. You need the appearance of Jesus in your life. Fellowship. Your meal is about fellowshipping with Jesus. And in the ascension, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Go. Go. Do the work of the kingdom. Thanks for joining us this morning. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. But looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. Well, my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Well, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Check your shame at the door, it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. Arrival's not the end game, the journey's where you are. You never want it perfect, you just want it my and the story isn't over if the story isn't good failure isn't final when the father's in the room no failure's never final when the father's in the room Ooh, lay your burdens down Ooh, shame at the door it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, 
prodigals come home The helpless find hope Love is on the move Well, the father's in the room Prison doors fling wide The dead come to life Love is on the move Well, the father's in the room Miracles take place The cynical find faith Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room Jericho walls are quaking Strongholds now are shaking Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room Oh, love is breaking through When the Father's in the room Shame at the door, it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. You're in the Father's house. You're in the Father's
favor be upon you in a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're calling and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 amen and Sing Amen in agree in agreement <laughs> with what this song is saying, and this is straight from Scripture. That His favor will be upon you, that His face will shine upon you, that He is for you. He is in your story. He is for your story. And with that, we say Amen. So, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this Sunday as we worship together. And even though we're in different houses and different parts of even the world and different times watching this, we're experiencing it together. And thanks, Todd, for that reminder to really live into that resurrection life. The journey begins now and it just gets better. So as we transition out, I want to say a huge thank you to a very dear, dear person to the River Church, Tommy Olson, 
who has invested so much of his time. Tommy and Lauren have been leading our junior high ministry for several years now and are now transitioning to an exciting new horizon in their life and ministry. And we just said goodbye to them in a car parade last week. And as a staff, we've been saying uh, a warm goodbye to him. And Tommy, I'm just gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss your insights and your heart and your wisdom and your care. And I've learned so much from you. So personally, thank you. On behalf of the River Church families, thank you. And we just pray a blessing over you. And, uh, and he's left it in good, good condition. It is healthier and stronger than it's ever been. And as we as a team are um, looking at the future of junior high, I just wanna say as a parent of a future junior hire, we're very encouraged and excited about uh, who's coming in and, and what's going to be happening. We'll let you know more about that as it develops. But for now, Tommy, we want to say goodbye. And here's a little video of a car parade where everyone got a chance to say goodbye to Tommy. Hey, Tommy! <laughs> Got something for him? Thank you. Wow, that's awesome.